Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Daniel chapter 1, you might remember if you've been with us, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are who? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I, I like to use the name Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael because those are their God-given names. Those are the names that God had given them. Uh, their parents probably were God-fearing people, and they named them after the things of God, after God. And so I like to call them that because when they got into Babylon, you know that, that they, their names were changed. And, and to change their name meant to change their identity. It meant to cause them to become like the people of Babylon, to cause them to forget about the past, forget about their godly heritage, and be conformed to the world. Remember Romans 12 said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Remember, let's not be a conformer, but a transformer, ah, not the robot. But a transformer, meaning our minds are transformed and our hearts are transformed. And and that's what Nebuchadnezzar was seeking to do by giving them new names. Was seeking to get them to be conformed to the culture of Babylon. And so I have a habit as I study through this book to call them Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so you remember there in chapter 1, they purposed purity in their hearts and they refused to eat the food that might hinder their relationship with God. Chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and in the dream there was a huge statue made of various metals. A stone comes out of nowhere, crushes the statue. Daniel gives the interpretation of the dream. Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. Here's the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. The various metals are inferior world empires. And the stone that came out of nowhere is Jesus who comes and crushes and demolishes this statue. And the stone actually becomes a mountain, which speaks of the fact that Jesus is going to set up his kingdom and his kingdom is going to be without end. And so Nebuchadnezzar didn't learn his lesson in chapter 2, which brought us to chapter 3. In defiance to the dream, he builds a huge golden image, forcing all to bow down to it. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they refuse to bow, and they are thrown in the fiery furnace. And again, Nebuchadnezzar gets another demonstration of God's power as he looked into the, into the fiery furnace and and he, and he, he said, hey, fellas, did, didn't we throw three men in the fire? And the, his guards, they said, true, O king. And he says, and why do I see four walking around in the fire? And, and, and the fourth is like who, saints? Isn't that great? That's the best story. 
And Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, oh, oh, man, oh, uh, 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 Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, he says, come out of the fire. He wanted them to come out. I told you last week, I would have loved to have been there. I'd have said, no, you come in. (laughs) They're walking around. They probably fellowship and roasting marshmallows, you know what I mean? Just kind of fellowship and like, yeah, this is pretty cool. You know, God is in there with us. God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. Saints, God is with us. I love that story. You should go back and read it yourself. Or better yet, buy the CD there. And so chapter 4, remember I told you on Sunday, chapter 4 is extremely interesting, might I add. I told you Sunday that this is Nebuchadnezzar's State of the Union Address to the Babylonian Kingdom. And in chapter 4, actually what we have here in this State of the Union Address, we have Nebuchadnezzar's testimony of the mighty power of God. You see, every time something miraculous would happen with Nebuchadnezzar, He would bow down to the earth and he would issue a decree and say, now it is my decree that everyone will serve the God of Daniel. And then every time something miraculous would happen, Nebuchadnezzar was impressed but never truly changed. He was moved emotionally but not spiritually. And, you know, that happens a lot with people. People are moved emotionally. Many people are are impressed with God, but they're not changed. There are a lot of people who have a respect for God, but is not changed. People who come to church, they come to church every Wednesday. They come to church every Sunday and they're stirred and they're moved. And they, maybe even in church, you have some goosebumps and you go, wow, I really feel something. You're stirred, you're impressed, but you're not changed. Well, that happened to Nebuchadnezzar over and over and over again. But here in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar is not only impressed, but tonight he is truly changed and he has a conversion and a genuine faith in God. Daniel chapter 4, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. Amen. To all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now stop right there. We got to stop there. Give me your attention. Verse 1 through 3. Now this is very important for you to understand. Verse 1 through 3 should be at the end of chapter 4 because it's a letter from Nebuchadnezzar to all the peoples, the nations, and the languages that dwell in all the earth. This is a remarkable chapter for two reasons. Number one, it's not written by Daniel. Did you know that? This chapter is not written by Daniel. Number two, it's a remarkable chapter because it's the only chapter in the Bible written by a Gentile king. The only chapter in the Bible written by a Gentile king. Now, who can tell me, and this is your time to talk, who can tell me the only other books in the Bible written by a Gentile? Just go ahead, call out. You're all Bible scholars, you know. Or maybe you're not all Bible scholars. (laughs) You're like, mm, I don't know. Hmm. Who, who would be? 
the only other books in the Bible written by Gentile. Luke. The gospel, very good. The Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, who is written by Luke. Those are the only two books in the Bible in the New Testament. They're written by a Gentile. Here in chapter 4, we have a letter written by a Gentile king. Chapter 4 is radically different than the other chapters. Here we see in chapter 4, we see a king who was the most feared man in the entire world. He was a maniac. He loved to issue decrees to kill people and to burn people and to force people to worship him. He would be like the Hitler of the 6th century. And now we have the same king. Are you getting this? We have the same king here giving glory to God who isn't making decrees, but he's made a decision to serve God. This is radical. I mean, imagine for a moment you get a letter from a king like Nebuchadnezzar, and the letter is Shalom. I want to tell you that I love Jesus. I got saved, and I want to share what God has done for me. From Nebuchadnezzar, that'd be like getting a letter like that from Hitler. This is a radical, radical conversion we have here with Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, chapter 4 is so different than, so different than all the other chapters and so different in terms of the personality and the character of Nebuchadnezzar that scholars and critics don't think Nebuchadnezzar actually wrote it. They say that Daniel must have doctored it up to make King Nebuchadnezzar look good. It's that radically different. But these higher critics, who I like to say from the lower pit, you know that. (laughs) These guys, they fail to realize, they fail to take into account that God has the power to change people no matter who they are and no matter where they come from. See, they don't take that into consideration. When Jesus Christ, listen to me and listen close. When Jesus Christ grabs a hold of your life, he completely transformed that that life so that you are radically different. This is what happens when Christ truly comes into your life. God can even change a political pagan monarch. The story of Nebuchadnezzar is a story of seemingly impossible salvation. We all know people like that. I know people that I've looked at over the years, and I found out that they were saved, and I was shocked. I remember going home to Philly one time. Hey, Rodney, oh, man, you from the block. You from the block, man. You, you one of the boys. Yeah, you from the block. What you been doing with yourself? Oh, I'm a pastor now. You're what? <laughs> Don't we all know people like that? It's like people, you know, or, or you know people who you, who you look at and you think, man, you know what? That guy is beyond God's reach. You meet people like that, you go, aye, aye, aye. I mean, that guy, he is completely beyond God's reach. But you know, I have found that the God loves to crack the tough nuts. Isn't that true? As a matter of fact, this church is filled with nuts. I mean, look at your neighbor. Go ahead, do it now. <laughs> the person you just looked at is a nut. And, and, and the person that you just looked at 
If they're born again, they're a nut that God has cracked. God loves to crack the real tough ones. The ones that you look at and you say, man, there's no way in the world they could be saved. There's no way. I don't know how in the world God could ever, ever, ever reach them. They are so bad. I I just can't even see it. Those are the ones that God touches. And you look at their lives. Why? See, I, I think God enjoys that. I really do. Because it's that person that God can really hold up as a trophy and say, see what I can do? See my power? Look at that. That is a trophy for my glory. See, God loves to crack the tough nuts. And and, and, and that's what he did with Nebuchadnezzar. He, He broke him. He changed him. And there's a radical change in his life. There's a great verse in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Turn in your Bibles. This is a great verse and is worthy of you seeing. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7. This is, this is one of those memory verses, if you will. Hebrews chapter 7. Keep your finger there in Daniel because I want you to see this verse. It's so good. It's awesome. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. And look at this, Hebrews 7, 25. You're there, saints, say amen. Therefore, matter of fact, if you're there, read it with me. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Don't you love that verse? He is able to save. Jesus is able to save from all that humanity needs to be saved from. He is able to save completely and perfectly to the uttermost, which literally means through and through. He is able to save anyone, no matter who they are. It was Billy Sunday who said Jesus was able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. And I like that. He's able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. And when you are touched and when you are transformed by Jesus, you are saved to the uttermost through and through. And that is why I believe the only way to know whether a person is saved or not, are they different? You know, there's so much ambiguity. There's your word for the day about who's saved and who isn't. Well, you don't know. Well, they could be saved. Well, you don't know. I mean, you know, we do know. The reality is, if a person is saved, saints, listen, it's as simple as this. Our God is a powerful God. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Okay, good. And he is powerful enough to change a life, and he is powerful enough that that life is so radically changed that they are different. And that's how you know if a person is saved truly or not. Are they different? If they're not changed, there's a good chance that they're not really saved. They may have come down the aisle in a fit of emotion. They may have even gotten baptized. But if they have not truly been born again, then all they took was a walk and got wet. Because there's no change. And I, and I think that too often we're just so unclear now because 
I got my opinions about that. But we're just so unclear is that, you know, people, well, I don't know if they're saved. Well, I don't know if they are. Listen, are they different? When you got saved, when they got saved, did their lives change? I mean, is there anything different? Yes, I understand there will be struggles in your life. When you get saved, you will struggle to get victory over your flesh. But understand, Jesus has already gotten the victory. So you just got to walk in that. I understand that of, of struggling. But, but, but if there's no, there, there's no struggle, well, that tells me that there's no real change and there's no real regeneration that happened in their lives. Are they different? That's all. Look through history. Look through the corners of time. Look through the Bible. Anyone who has really, truly come into contact with the true and living God, their lives were changed just like that. They were changed. I mean, radically, radically changed. Ask Isaiah. You remember when he saw the Lord, when he met God, he didn't say, you know, oh, God, good to see you. No, he said, woe is me, I am undone. Isaiah 6, 5, verse, chapter 6, verse 5. Ask Peter when he realized that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and he said what? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. You know, someone has rightly said, if your religion hasn't changed you, it's time to change your religion. There's a change. There must be a change. And if there is no change, then you would want me to believe that our God is not powerful enough to change you. That I reject. There must be a change. There needs to be a change. Nebuchadnezzar came in contact with God and God changed him. Look at verse 3 again. Nebuchadnezzar is changed and he gives testimony of all the great things, signs and wonders that God has done. No doubt thinking about the dream and the interpretation in chapter 2. No doubt thinking about chapter 3, the deliverance of the three Hebrew boys in chapter 3. The second dream that we're going to look at in just a few minutes in chapter four, he says, truly, God is who he said he was. Notice he says now here in in verse three, he says his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom in contrast to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom that is temporary. So you can see the change. Now his focus isn't on Babylon and his kingdom. Now his focus is on God and his kingdom. See, verse 1 through 3 actually goes at the end of chapter 4 because after this second dream or we're going to talk about, after this second dream, God works a series of events in his life which causes prideful Nebuchadnezzar to humble himself. And after this experience of humiliation... Then he writes verses 1 through 3, talking about the glory and the greatness of God. This is important for you to understand. If you understand that, say amen. Very important. So there's a change. and There's a difference in focus. Notice in verse 4 through 9, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was resting in my house and flourishing. Now he's going to go and tell us the story of what happened. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was resting in my house, flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all. This guy loved to issue decrees. I'm amazed at how many decrees he issues in two chapters. This is amazing. Oh, decree for this and decree for that. He says, well, therefore, I now I issue another decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me 
that they might make known to me the interpretation of a dream. Then the, mag- then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation, because they can't. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. Underline that. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. Stop right there. Give me your attention. At this time, things are going great for King Nebi. He had crushed all other military opposition. He was secure. He was successful. He was strong. He was resting easy and flourishing. Things are going great until one night he woke up in sweaty pajamas from a very fearful dream. I like that because, you know, God likes to rattle your cage just when you're resting and you're flourishing. God likes to shake things up just a bit from a place of false security and shake your foundations. And you know why he's doing it? Because he loves Nebuchadnezzar. That's why. And so he calls in, Nebuchadnezzar calls in what I like to call the pagan God squad, magicians, magicians, astrologers, and sorcerers. These are the John Edwards, the, you know, that guy who's talking to the dead nowadays. On TV, he's got his own show for that. Isn't that ridiculous? You get your own show because you act like you're talking to the dead. Now, I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe. But these types of guys, Sylvia Brown, Dionne Warwick, you know, the types that call the 900 hotline, you know, psychic hotline number. That's these types of people. And so they come in before Nebuchadnezzar and, uh, you know, and, 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 and I just get the scene here, you know. They come in for Nebuchadnezzar and they say, Nebuchadnezzar, king, O oh king, give me your palm, king, and study your navel, king, and, and think of ponies as we try to tell you what's in the future. They can't. And so Daniel, and, and, the, and the king knows that. And, 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 the, and the king knows that Daniel, they, they, he knows that Daniel knows. Did you notice what he said? He said, Daniel, look at it again. I had you underline it. He said, Daniel, in you, the spirit of the holy God. You see, he knows that Daniel has the answers. Fast forward to verse 18 in your Bibles. Look at it again in verse 18. The king said it again. The spirit of the holy God in verse 18, Daniel, is in you. And again in verse 8. And so we have it in verse 8. We have it in verse 18. And we also have it in verse 9. There it is. Did you see it again? He says the spirit of the holy God, Daniel, is in you. And no secret troubles you, Daniel. In other words, he's saying to Daniel, Daniel, nothing shakes you up because of the Holy Spirit. You see, at first he goes to the wrong place for counsel and they can't help him. Did you see that? Christians, don't go to the world for counsel. Don't go to the world. Don't look up in the phone book for the practicing psychotherapist. And please don't call Dionne Warwick. 
hotline is psychic, Sister Cleo, Chloe, or whoever they are. Don't call these people for counsel. Give it a try. Here, listen at this. Why not instead, if you have a problem, you have a situation, do you know I believe this? A person that is filled with the Holy Spirit, a person that is born again, has the wisdom from God. And I believe that a person who is born again and has the wisdom from God knows more than a psychotherapist with a doctorate. You see, we're more likely to call a psychotherapist because they've got, you know, in the phone book, I actually did this today because I wanted to be sure that it's really there. So I got the phone book and I looked up like, you know, counseling and psychology and psychotherapists. And, you know, they've got like M.A., B.A., A.A., M.B.A., C.C.A. and all kinds of letters after their name as if this makes them experts. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.